Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Today's guest hails from England. He's blind and has traveled the world and written about it. His recent travel reports have gone international and are being featured on the British Broadcasting Corporation or BBC Travel Show. Joining us to talk about his journeys far and wide is blind traveler and author, Tony Giles. Hi, Tony. Hi, Brian. Tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Tony Giles. I come from southwest England. Uh, I originate from near a city called Bristol, about three hours from London by train. Um, I'm 40 years old. Um, I was born with a rare eye condition called cone dystrophy, uh, which means I have no color nerves, and also photophobia, which means I was very sensitive to light, bright light. I spent the first three years of my life in the dark, apparently, till I was given dark glasses, and then I was able to run around in the street. And I'm also severely deaf in both ears. Um, I use digital hearing aids, and I went deaf, partially deaf, when I was about four, four or five. And yeah, and I spent the last 21 years traveling the world alone. How did you travel the world with such limited vision? Um... Well, my dad told me uh, about his adventures when he was in the Merchant Navy and when I was young, and that sort of interested me. And then um, I went to a school uh, with disabled children about um, 30, 40 kilometers from my home every day. Um, and I, because I was so light sensitive, I could actually sense the contrast between black and white shapes, and I could read and write with very big black letters on white paper until it was about eight or nine. And then I went to a boarding school, um, about 400 kilometers from my home, and learned Braille, mobility. I was 10, 10 and a half. And uh, obviously, I uh, learned to touch type. This was in the early 1990s. And then um, I started I giving mobility training, obviously, use a long cane and route training. So I learned to get out off the school campus and down to local shops and eventually catch buses and trains. And I desired to go home as much as possible to, to visit my family. I was very close to my parents. And then when I was 16, I got the opportunity to go to Boston in the States. Yeah, you uh, earned your degree. bigger sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you yeah. earned your degree with honors in American studies from Northampton University. In North That's right, yeah. In 2000, I went to South Carolina. So... And once I was in the States and studying, I, I just got the travel bug, really. And then went out and met people and talked with people and went from there. So from October 2001 to March 2002, you backpacked around Thailand, part of South Vietnam, New Zealand, and Australia. What famous sites did you see in these countries? And how did you speak out to ensure accessibility to these sites? Um, so in, Ayers, in Australia, I went to Ayers Rock, which is one of the most famous sites in Australia. It's a big boulder right in the middle of near Alice Springs, but about um, five, six hour bus ride from Alice Springs. So um, I, joined, I joined a tour um, 
So I backpacked independently and I stayed in hostels. It was a cheap accommodation. And I met other people and then I got suggestions from them what to visit or I asked the staff and the accommodation what interesting places to go to. And I'd heard about Ayers Rock from reading at school and listening to the radio and stuff. So um, that was one of the places I went to. I did an organised tour. There was a coach, coach tour in and then guides walking around. And I got to touch the rock and feel it and actually got to step on the bottom of Ayers Rock. So, And it was really strange because when I was walking around it in the desert, it was really hot, like 30-odd degrees and there was no wind at all. And then as soon as I climbed on the bottom of the rocks, there's this wind that sort of pushed me towards the rocks. It was really strange. It just appeared from nowhere. And I was able to touch the cracks in the rocks. Interesting. Three or four centimetres wide, these cracks were. Yeah. It gave me a tactile uh, image of what um, Ayers Rock sort of was made of and sort of looked like, at least on a a sort of um, lower level. I wanted to climb it, but they wouldn't let me because there's no handholds or anything. So they said it was a bit dangerous, <laughs> quite adventurous. So, what about our what, now? Let's think about our listeners who might mm. be a little scared to travel, and and they want to, but they want to learn your travel approach and some pointers to help all of us be brave. I mean, for me, it's difficult for me just to even make my way to new places in my hometown. Yeah. What might be your advice? So I do my research, uh, particularly now since I've had the internet for the last 10 years. So I decide where I want to go. Uh, I might have friends I found on the internet and I want to go and visit them. So I, I, I get on the internet and there's, in my case, Jules. It might be another screen reader. And then I search. Um, I'll say if I'm going to Vancouver, I'll put in... Vancouver Wiki Travel is a, into a search engine and then it will bring up information about Vancouver and then I'll read about it. And then, um, so I'll read about what there is to visit, um, like museums, and then I'll try and find that museum and, and see if there's an audio guide or look up on the internet if there are personal guides that can take me around the museum. And then I look at about transport. So obviously I'm going to fly from London to Vancouver. But then I need to book assistance um, after I bought my ticket. So once I get to the airport in London, and then I'll get someone to take me to the check-in desk, and then I book assistance, and anyone can do this. Um, and then the assistant, special special assistants, will take me from the check-in desk and, and put uh, take me to the gate and put me on the plane. And then other special assistants will meet me in Vancouver. But then I want to know how do I get from Vancouver to airport to downtown so i need to take a taxi can i take a bus is there a sky uh what do you call it in canada the sky sky train I oh mean. the sky train yes yeah. so i read about i know about information like that how much does it costs does it go from to and from the airport or to downtown or how often does it run things like this so i do this all this kind of routine and i look at what cut what kind of money i need can I use my credit card in that country? Then I go from there, really. And then I try and find like-minded people to stay with. Or, like I say, friends I met on the internet or Facebook. And then I go from there, so I network. That's a lot of very careful planning and networking. Um, when you 
actually get to the places? How do you find your way around them and have them described? So I I find my way around a, a new city by, first of all, uh, researching what places I want to visit. I have a list of places or attractions I wish to visit. And then I will ask the person I'm staying with or the accommodation I'm staying with, can you tell me what public transport I need to take to get to this museum or to this landmark? Or can I walk? And if I can walk, can you give me directions? Like when I go outside the building, do I turn left or do I turn right? And then how many blocks do I need to walk to get to this building? Or how many blocks do I need to walk to get to the nearest metro or bus station? And what number bus? And then I record this information on, um, I've got something called a, Vic, a Victor Reader screen. It's like a digital recorder come MP3 player. So I can record information on that. And then um, I keep asking people. I go out on the street and I just... So I'll, I'll um, rememorize the first directions they've given me and I'll walk along the street using my cane and I'll try and count the blocks and try and remember how many roads I cross. And then I'll use the audio cross lights if, if there are cross lights, audio. And if not, I'll wait till there's no traffic or I'll wait for another pedestrian to come and help me cross the road. And I just keep asking people. Sometimes I might go in shops and ask people, am I close to such and such in a museum or, and I just ask people where's the nearest metro and then get people there. Yeah, that's how I sort of get around the city. And then I always take um, a card with the address of the accommodation I'm staying on and a phone number in case I get lost or get stuck. I can just jump in a taxi and go back to where I'm staying. You went on another backpacking trip through most of Cuba, Mexico, parts of North and South America, and throughout most of South Africa, and one of the activities that you did was you did this solo hike in the Rocky Mountains. How did you hike these mountains all by yourself and self-advocate for access on these trips? So um, I didn't hike all of the Rocky Mountains, obviously. I, um, I went to Jasper National Park um, for several days, and then... Um, I was able to, uh, once the bus dropped me off at Jasper, just outside the park, I was able to get a shuttle to pick me up uh, and take me to my accommodation, a hostel within the park. And then I um, asked about how to um, hike up one of the nearby trails. So they told me, oh, you, you go out of the hostel and you follow the road around to your left and it loops around and when it starts... Um, the gradient starts going up, just follow it up. So I followed the gradient with my, obviously I knew it was going up from my feet. I could feel the gradient. And then I tapped the left side uh, of the row with my cane and just followed the grass area. And I did this for about 30, 40 minutes. And then they, then they told me once I got so far up this hill uh, to try and locate a, a ski lift. And um, so once I, I walked for about 30, 40 minutes and then I started looking around and listening for, there might be groups of people or other people because I thought there's going to be a chairlift and there's going to be other tourists using it. So once I, once I found a, someone, I asked them and they helped me to the chairlift and the, 
the staff that put me on and someone to help me off at the top. And then I asked someone to take me to the start of the trail, which I could feel with my cane and my feet was gravelly and quite narrow and I just started walking and following up tourists and travellers. And I spent a couple of hours walking up um, in the mountain. That's amazing. I, I hear that you recently did a show <laughs> with the BBC about your recent trip to Ethiopia. Tell us more about okay. the documentary and how we can watch it. Yes, yeah, so um, I made a couple of documentaries, uh, one two years ago, and then uh, this year I went back to uh, Northeast Africa, and um, I said, told the BBC I'm going to Northeast Africa, and the countries I was going to said, oh, we'll come and film you in Ethiopia, because I've been there before, but only briefly, and I wanted to go back and experience the amazing culture. So uh, in April of this year, they came into Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, and we met up and spent a week filming um, in Addis Ababa, and then we went up north to a place called Lalibela, with a lot of religious churches and um, medieval history. And um, yeah, they're available on um, the BBC uh, Travel Show website. And they're also available on my website, which is tonythetraveller.com, uh, Traveller with two L's. And um, people can go on there and watch the, the YouTube uh, videos. Yeah, we're going to put up your website on the Speaking Out for the Blind show website, speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com, so our listeners can check this out when this show airs. So let's get back to traveling. Um, what are some of the countries that you might recommend for just beginner travelers who are blind and visually impaired? Yeah, sure. So um, when I started traveling when I was younger, um, I went to countries I could speak the language. So that makes it a lot easier. So for me, it was the States and Australia and New Zealand. I, I knew the infrastructure and I could interact with people. So, and I say to people, probably New York City is probably the, one of the easiest places to navigate if you're totally blind because uh, most of Manhattan's on a grid system, so you're counting blocks and streets. Uh, and so that's quite easy to navigate, and the sidewalks in general are quite wide, so you're not being entangled in lots of objects all the time. And... Um, that's a good recommendation. And also the subway announces the stops. And um, on the subway, it's it's quite easy because you know if you're going uptown or downtown by the numbers of the, of the station. So if you're at 56th Street and then 64th Street, you know, you're going uptown and then the numbers are going down, you know, sort of you're going downtown. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think New York's quite a good city to start with. Um, um, uh, maybe um, in Canada, Ottawa is quite compact, I found. The two times I've sort of been to downtown Ottawa. and um, Again, the streets seem to be on a grid system, so it's, it seems fairly easy to sort of walk around. And um, The first time I came to Canada, I did a, um, I did a guided tour of the uh, Parliament building. That was fascinating. Um, and there are three tours, three guided tours when Parliament's not sitting. So, um, so that was in Ottawa. Now, yeah. Dan, you've also been to Niagara Falls in Toronto. Um, That's right. Yeah. I, um, Toronto, Toronto again is on a good system. So, um, 
although it's a big city, um, the, the buses are. We I found the buses quite useful and quite easy to to use, and the bus the bus drivers and the uh, really helpful. And then I, I've been to Niagara Falls a couple of times, um, and um, I did a tour the first time I went because that was the sort of it's sort of the easiest way to get there from Toronto, and because it's such a big area, it'd be very difficult to sort of navigate alone. Um, but yeah, so I, I took a guide from Toronto, but I've been back a couple of times by myself, and especially in the winter, it's very different. It's more peaceful, and um, just sort of took the local bus to Niagara, like a couple of hours in Toronto, and then again just ask ask them. Other tourists sort of followed other tourists to Niagara and sort of walk around, and listen to it, experience the atmosphere. Yeah, you once been, once I, uh, you've been to the CN Tower in Toronto, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I went there um, in uh, on my last trip. I just come back from Canada, so um, my girlfriend and I were there in uh, beginning of June. Yeah, we went up the CN Tower. It's really interesting going up the elevators. And um, we went out. We went out and walked around the observation deck outside in early evening, so we could feel the wind. And and um, the staff are really good. They uh, we were able to go in for free and walk around, and um, that was kind of cool. Tallest building in North America, I think. I understand that you're very close with family. How does your family inspire you to keep traveling? Um, well, my mum's a big supporter of, my, of mine, and she helps me plan my trips. Um, she actually makes tactile maps for me with a, a kind of um, blue substance, and she draws around the borders of countries. And when it uh, dries, it hardens, so I can feel the outlines of different countries. And then she helps me book flights and, and other stuff. So and they inspire me to keep going, and because my um, my challenge in life, my goal is to visit every country in the world. So, yeah, they help me and support me in uh, many different ways. So I'm very lucky. How about your girlfriend that you went to Canada with? She must really support you too. Yeah, she's also blind. And, um, yeah, she sort of um, inspires me to sort of help her travel and help her see the world. Uh, she only went blind when she was 16, so about 20, 25 years ago. Um, and she's from Greece, so she's not had the as much as um, mobility uh, training as I've had. So uh, it's a different challenge when we're together, but it's it's good to share it with her and uh, you know allow her to see the world the way I see it. Now, for mobility training, did were, did you have several mobility teachers? Yeah, so I had um, I had a mobility teacher for six years, from the age of ten to sixteen when I was at the boarding school, and then I've had several different mobility uh, offices over the years for route training in the different towns and cities I lived in in the UK. So I built up my skills when my hands were sensitive and built up my confidence from a very young age. And my girlfriend going blind quite suddenly at the age of sixteen. Uh, didn't receive um, that um, so much in uh, being in Greece. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us about your. your you also published uh, published a couple of books on your travels. Can you tell us about them? Yes, I um, 
published a couple of uh, e-books about my travels. Um, the first book is called Seeing the World My Way. And it's about why a blind person would want to go and see the world. And it is about how I began traveling and why when I was young and different trips to the States and then studying there. And then second part of the books about travels in Australia, New Zealand and Southeast Asia. And then I published a second book uh, called Seeing the Americas My Way, which is a trip I did through South America and North America in 2004 and are available on uh, in ebook format from all ebook websites. So they should be accessible for any blind and visually impaired person. Well, um, what's coming up in your traveling future? Got any plans? So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to Greece to see my girlfriend at the end of August. So we're going to go through um, a few Greek islands. Um, we quite like the Greek islands and the food. We eat a lot. <laughs> we spend a lot of our time eating, so that'll be fun. And then um, I'm thinking about going to Haiti and Dominican Republic by myself in end of October uh, yeah and then my girlfriend and I are thinking about going back to Spain for Christmas so is there anything else that you'd like to add um, just to let your listeners know I'm also on Facebook I'm Tony the Traveller and um, I also have a YouTube page so people can follow me and um, I like to do adrenaline activities from time to time I bungee jump and uh, Okay, whitewater rafting when I can on my travels. So, um, yeah, people can follow all about me on my website, as I say, tonythetraveler.com. And uh, if people want to contact me, they can contact me through my website. You can ask any questions they want to know about traveling or how it's, how life's like being blind. And All very good activities, Tony. Well, you're an inspiration to those of us who are a bit skittish to go out and inv- go to <laughs> go out on an adventure, but yeah. we hope that you keep traveling and encouraging the blind and visually impaired to be world travelers. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org. And my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking-out-for-the-blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community.
On Reese's Pieces, we play many different kinds of music, from country to ballads to some hard rock and roll from the 80s to parodies and comedies. But we also do a lot of interesting things. People exercise. People eat lunch. People sometimes take a nap. On Reese's Pieces, we laugh and enjoy each other and have fun. We talk baseball. We talk about barbershop singing. We talk about whatever is on our minds, the latest book we are reading. But most importantly, we have fun. We play good music and have good conversation. So join me, Shannon, at noon Eastern every Monday on ACB Radio Interactive for Reese's Pieces. Come and have some chocolate with us. And then, after you eat that chocolate, you can exercise. (laughs) The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. Hey, how you doing, everybody? I'm Brian McKnight for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. Give your keys to a friend, because friends don't let friends drive drunk. You're like a dream come true. Just want to be with you. to see. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. You're listening to acbradio.org. Connecting the blind community around the world. ACB Radio.